Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome back to Twits in Love, a steampunk distraction by Tom Allen Robbins. When last seen, our hero, Cyril Chippington Smythe, was enjoying a brandy and antidepressant before a roaring hydrogen fire. Things in town have gotten a little too hot. Time to escape to the country. But behind the swampy grounds of the country estate, danger lurks. Join us now for Chapter 3 of Twits in Love, A Hot Time at the Old Chateau. Chippington Smythe House is widely considered to be one of the more ghastly country homes. Nestled amidst mosquito-infested swamps, its crumbling turrets are dwarfed by the massive dome of the world's largest hydrogen plant, a mere stone's throw away. Family law would have it that the house was once a palace fit for an emperor. But as the family tree dwindled to a few stunted shrubs and country estates fell out of fashion, it was allowed to slowly sink into the primordial ooze. I maintained a wing of it, for form's sake, run by the formidable Mrs. Oakes, a close cousin of Bentley, from the same factory. Indeed, only a pageboy wig and a spot of rouge kept them from being identical twins. Morning, sir. Coffee-flavoured beverage. Yes. Bless you, Mrs. Oakes. There's cheesy eggs, kippered strips, morning links and improbable bacon in the chafing dishes. Toast and fruity paste. Would you care for anything else? No, that will suffice. Um, real eggs? Almost, sir. Oh, well. Have Alice and Binky arrived? Yes, sir. They had their breakfast already. They're strolling about the swamp. Do they know to keep to the wooden path? I reminded them, sir. Don't want any guests seeking in the quicksand. Once was quite enough. Thank you, Mrs. Oakes. Enjoy your breakfast, sir. Morning, Mr. Bentley. Good morning, Mrs. Oakes. Good morning, sir. Bentley, beautiful day, what? The humidity is unusually low, sir. You have received multiple communications this morning. Convey them at once. Good news, I hope. One slavers with anticipation. I pause only to observe that your cuff is currently residing in the fruity spread. Damn. Your aunt and uncle will arrive at eleven o'clock. What? Aunt Apatia and Uncle Hugo? Yes, sir. Why are they coming? The missive did not state their purpose. Oh, well, the more the merrier, I suppose. Although Uncle Hugo is a dreadful stick. Anything else? Yes, sir. Mr. Langford Cheeseworth will arrive at 11.30 with his ward. Cheeseworth is always good for a laugh. I don't hold out much hope for the ward. May I pour you more coffee beverage? The previous cup seems to have migrated to the carpet. So it has. Clumsy. Pour away. Any more messages? Yes, sir. You have received a letter announcing new Mumbai chicken-like korma, now with 8% less acetone. Well, we must give it a try, mustn't we? As you wish, sir. Ah, the country. So peaceful. So quiet. There you are. Do you always sleep the morning away like this? Good morning, Alice. Morning, Binky. Yes, always. 
We shall have to do something about that. Time is too precious to waste. You're not getting any younger, you know. Death before dishonor? I'm not doing that anymore. No? The conversation seems naked without it. Binky, death before dishonor? Sorry, Cyril. Alice won't let me. Thanks awfully for letting us crash. Always welcome, dear boy. Open invitation. Carte blanche. <gasps> I say, are those kippered strips? Put that down, Cheswick. You've already had your breakfast. But there are no kippered strips. You are digging your grave with your teeth. You already possess a substantial paunch. Oh, I say. Cyril, we will be meeting a few friends later. I hope you don't mind. We shall confine ourselves to the gazebo. Do I know them? I'm sure not. They do not orbit in our sphere. Have at it. This is Liberty Hall. Oh, that must be Uncle Hugo and Aunt Apatia. What are they doing here? One hasn't a clue. I can't bear that man. Cheswick, come. Yes, dear. And don't call me dear. No. Mum? Ugh, you really are hopeless. Mr. and Mrs. Dankworth. My Aunt Hypatia is a bit of a dragon, but she long ago took me under her scaly wing. It requires some dexterity to avoid her fiery breath, but on the whole, she's a good egg. Cyril, darling boy, death before dishonor. Death before dishonor, Aunt Hypatia. Come to my arms, you glorious creature. Cyril, death before dishonor. Yeah, death before dishonor, Uncle Hugo. I hope I see you well. Tolerable. Swamp's getting worse. Is it? I'll hire some pumps. Have you had your breakfast? Hours ago. Almost lunchtime, isn't it? You're so thin. You're not eating enough. Bentley, see that he eats. Yes, madam. To what do I owe the pleasure? I wanted to see my favourite nephew, and your uncle wanted to make sure you were doing your homework. Have you read what I sent you? Bentley? I have sifted it, sir. There, you see? We have sifted it. And what are your thoughts? Well, the sifting is only the preliminary exercise. The analysing is still to come. Do not shunt this off. The consequences are substantial. Never. Do have some coffee. Is it real coffee? Almost. I think it's mostly sphagnum moss. No, thank you. Mr. Langford, Cheeseworth and Miss Freehold are arriving, sir. Ah, they're early. I see they delivered his camel caravan. Rather gaudy. You know Cheeseworth, don't you, Uncle Hugo? From the club? Uh, that ridiculous popinjay. That's the one. Show them in, Bentley. We can't stay long. Don't be a poop, Hugo. I want to talk to my nephew. Fine. I'll be in the orangery. I have something to say to you, Cyril. Well, this froze my blood, as you can imagine. Aunt Hypatia has strong feelings about how I'm meant to be living my life, and, to my certain knowledge, there is not a single thing that I'm doing correctly. Hugo tells me that you express doubt about having a family. Well, the thought of a brood of screaming children running into the swamp and whatnot rather chills the blood. That is unacceptable. This is not a matter of personal preference. You must reproduce. You are the last of the Chippingdon Smythes. We cannot be allowed to become extinct. That seems rather hard on me. You know I love you. I sensed a trap. I examined the statement from every angle, but I couldn't quite find the hook. I will concede the point. You must grow up, Cyril. You must take your place as the head of this family. There's plenty of time for all that. There is not. 
It may take years for you to impregnate a wife. The Chippington Smythes are noted for the immobility of their sperm. This is hardly breakfast talk. Heed my words, find a wife, have babies. Our family's future depends on you. I could see Bentley pacing down the hallway with Cheeseworth dancing impatiently behind him. Bringing up the rear was, if it was not a trick of the light, the loveliest young lady I had ever laid eyes on. She paced demurely, her eyes cast down in front of her. I heard a buzzing in my ears, as if a hive of mechanical bees had nested there. Mr. Langford Cheeseworth and Ms. Freehold, sir. Sybil! And can this be Antipasia? You're looking simply glorious. Ah, oh, Mr. Langford Cheeseworth, how are your parents? Thriving, simply thriving. May I present my ward, Miss Pansy Freehold? Pleased to meet you, my dear. Goodness, you are pretty. Thank you. Death before dishonor? Death before dishonor. Death before dishonor. Death before dishonor. Pansy, is it? Lovely name. It's a flower. By Jove, so it is. Well, I'll leave you young people to your fun. You're staying for lunch, aunt? Certainly, if you wish it. I shall join your uncle in the orangery. Until lunch, then. What a magnificent old warhorse she is. I admire her enormously. She is the best of aunts. Have you had your breakfast? Yes, but one could always find womb for snake. Woo! Improbable bacon. What about you, Miss Freehold? Nothing, thank you. Coffee? No, thank you. That's a lovely frock. Is it? Yes. Thank you. With that, we froze into a sort of tableau. I stared at Pansy, she stared at her feet, and Cheeseworth stared at the chafing dish. You know my favourite thing about the country? No, what? Boots! One can wear boots! My feet feel so free! I say, cheesy eggs! Good show! You live at Cheeseworth Manor, Miss Freehold? Yes. How is it we've never met? You're only a few miles away. I don't go out much. Why would you deprive local society of your company? I don't really fit in. I can't believe that. Believe it, my boy. She's like a deer in the headlights. Has no conversation, freezes at the first bon mot. Well, you don't have to worry about that with me. I'm not at all witty. I'm glad to hear you admit it. I wasn't sure if you knew it or not. Tell me, Miss Freehold, would you like a tour of the grounds? You don't have to be formal with her, Sybil. He can call you Pansy, can't he, my dear? If you like. Pansy, then. Come, let me show you around the old ancestral manse. There is a small patch of land behind the estate, which looks almost as nature might have intended. I breathed deeply, coughed as a cloud of methane drifted past me, and admired the lake at the foot of the hill. Lake Sputum is so pristine, one could almost swim in it without antibiotics. In the distance, at the far end of the lake, one could make out the tiny town of Qatar, with its quaint organ farms and fat-rendering plant. Bird songs, rather. Pipe them through speakers. Used to have animatronic birds, but they kept malfunctioning, falling out of the trees onto one's head. Disconcerting, what? 
Oh. Like birds, do you? I saw one once at a zoo. It was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. The gallant thing to say would have been, and you're the most beautiful bally thing I've ever seen. But my tongue cleaved to the roof of my mouth, and I could only kick at small stones and hum. What's that you're humming? What? Oh, I don't know. It sounds like the jingle for that breakfast cereal, Frosted Cellulose. Does it? Oh, I've always been musical. I once thought of being a famous opera singer, but there are so many notes, and you have to do them in the right order, apparently. And of course, one has to learn how to sing, and so on. We strolled along in silence for a while. Conversation usually flows from me like water from a breached levee, but my usual lines of chatter seemed hopelessly inadequate. I'm sorry. What on earth for? I know I'm a dreadful mope. I have no conversation. Not at all. I'm sure you have a deucedly rich inner life. You just want someone to tap the keg, and out it will flow. No. People always think I'm deep because I'm so quiet, but the truth is I can't stand the sort of things people talk about. It all seems so... meaningless. It's like we're in a play and everyone knows their lines but me. They say and do improbable things for no discernible reason. I just want a simple life. Long walks, good book by the fire. As I gazed into the cerulean discs that poets would refer to as her eyes, I made a sudden resolution. Pansy would be my bride. We would repopulate the earth with our offspring, and all would be joy. Are you all right? Sorry, what? You were staring. Was I? Dreadfully rude. I say Pansy. I know we've only just met. Pardon me, sir. Uh, uh. Bentley had an unfortunate habit of materializing without warning. I've heard of yoga practitioners that can disincorporate their atoms and reassemble them across the room, but Bentley left them in the dust. Yes, you have. What is it? You have received a note, sir. Our previous announcement, new Mumbai chicken-like korma now with 8% less acetone, should have read, now with 8% more acetone. We apologize for any misunderstanding. As we rounded the corner of the house, I could see the gazebo through the trees. Alice stood before a somewhat ragged and threadbare crowd, gesticulating enthusiastically. Who is that striking woman? The one with the teeth? She seems to be quite an orator. Uh, Alice could talk the bark off a spruce tree. I'll introduce you at lunch. Is there any reply, sir? Hmm? Uh, No, no. You may go. Binky stood to one side of the conclave, looking miserable. Upon spotting us, he whispered urgently to Alice, who glared at us and made shooing motions to the crowd, which rapidly dispersed. Alice strode off toward the swamp, and Binky trotted over to join us. I cursed him silently. Hello! Who's this? Uh, Pansy, I'd like you to meet my old friend Cheswick Wickford Davies, commonly known as Binker. This is Cheeseworth's ward, Miss Freehold. Charmed, I'm sure. Hello. Look here, old boy, I must speak to you. It's frightfully important. I shall join my guardian in the house. Uh, no, don't go. Actually, seeing you gives me an idea. What's got you in an uproar, old man? It's Alice. She's suspicious. That is her defining characteristic. When we came to the country, she expected to meet your cousin, Gardenia. 
I have no such cousin. <laughs> exactly. She believes I'm engaged to a woman who does not exist. Up until now, Bentley's plan was working perfectly. She's dripping with jealousy and champing at the bit to sink her fangs into Cousin Gardenia, and there is no corpus. I am teetering on the brink. I don't really see how I can help you. It occurs to me. Here, Binky eyed Pansy in a most disturbing way. That... This young lady may prove the answer to my prayers, <laughs> if she's game. I don't know what you mean by game, but I'm happy to help you if I can. I believe that we must try at all times to help others. It is a moral imperative. By Jove, you're a rum one. Shake on it. Binky shoved out a paw, which Pansy shook vigorously. Here's my plan. You will play the role of my fiancée, Gardenia. During lunch, we shall have a huge fight, and I shall spurn you to the dust. Alice will hurl herself onto my heaving breast, and we shall live happily ever after. This seems an improbable plan. We've done more improbable things than that. <laughs> Purchasing that nudist quality comes to mind. I still believe that will pay off in the long run. People will tire of clothing eventually. Yes, but wearing no clothes costs nothing. Where's the profit in that? That was the hidden flaw in our plan. By improbable, I mean that it strains credulity. People are used to that where I'm concerned. No one expects me to conform to logic or consistency. But how am I to behave in a way so contrary to my nature? You just pretend you're in a play. Don't you know people that put on a persona in public, very different from their true nature? I have long felt that everyone does it but me. Exactly. Perhaps this is an opportunity for me to learn how to fit in. Dear Pansy, you don't have to change a jot or a tittle. No, I must make an effort. I'll do it. Brave pansy. Only, you mustn't blame me if I'm not very good. You shall be brilliant. I know it. I say, perhaps we should run this by Bentley. He's the closest thing to Machiavelli currently in residence. Eh, not necessary. It's a perfect plan. Don't say that. Makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Mm, we'll have to let Cheeseworth in on the ruse or he'll blow it all to kingdom come. I shall speak to him. Dear Miss Freehold, I'm uncommonly grateful. Not at all. Now, remember... I shall be cruel to you, but you mustn't take it personally. I never take cruelty personally. That would be selfish. Would it? When someone is cruel, they are really expressing their own personal pain. It would be egotistical to make it about me. I never thought about it that way. <laughs> I say. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw Bentley exit the house carrying a large crate. One of the seedy-looking women from the gazebo appeared in a rather furtive manner and took the crate from him. She wore a houndstooth check skirt that looked strangely familiar. She scurried off into the bushes, and Bentley returned to the house. Hmm. I wonder what that was all about. What what was all about? Nothing. I must have a talk with Bentley before lunch. Ah, there's the warning cannon. I must change. Yes, I as well. Pansy, let me escort you back to the house. We shall rendezvous at lunch. Now... Remember, your name is Gardenia, and you are Cyril's cousin from the country, and we are engaged. Got it. With any luck, Alice will be mine by tea time. But it would prove to be bitter tea indeed, served with scones of shame and finger sandwiches of pain. And watercress. Watercress, indeed. Cyril has fallen arse over tea kettle for the beauteous Pansy. Pansy and Binky are preparing for the performance of a lifetime, and Bentley seems to have embarked upon a clandestine operation. 
surely this cannot end well. Join us next time for Chapter 4, La Comedia et Almost Finite. Toodaloo! And now, let us bow down before the brilliance of our cast, without whom we would be as dust, blown hither and yon by the winds of fortune. Michael Urey as Cyril Chippington Smythe, Christian Borle as Cheswick Whitford Davies, Binky to his friends, Dakin Matthews as Bentley, Mary Tester as Aunt Hypatia, Nick Sullivan as Uncle Hugo, Stephen DeRosa as C. Langford Cheeseworth, Helen Cespedes as Alice Witherspoon, Kira Allen as Pansy Freehold, Anne Harada as Mrs. Oaks, and yours truly, Lilius White, as a disembodied omnipotent voice. Written by Tom Allen Robbins. Co-directed by Tom Allen Robbins and Dory Berenstein. Produced by Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, Brittany Bigelow, and the Broadway Podcast Network. Press Marketing, social media by Katie Rosen, Ayana Prescott, sound effects consultant, Eric Wright, sound designer and editor, Brett Ashley, executive produced by Liz Armstrong. Good day. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.